What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, and the latest going-ons in the rock and metal world. Um, coming to you solo. Uh, basically, this week has just been a continuation of the shit uh, year I've had so far uh, in 2020. Um, as you heard previously, you know I had to put my dog down uh, literally on New Year's Day to start the year, which was no fun. Um, and now I'm getting ready to head to Arizona to go to uh, my wife's grandmother's funeral. Um, Dan had his birthday this week, so uh, it's just been really tough trying to get both of us uh, together to, to do this episode, uh, which is uh, Mark Volalunga of nothing more uh this interview was done actually i'm not even gonna call it an interview it was just a fucking chat uh this chat was done a couple months ago uh when nothing more was opening for ghost uh here in the states and uh basically mark and i just had some beers and we just shot the shit for about an hour um you know the band wasn't really doing a whole lot still really aren't you know they're basically writing a new record at this point so uh always fun to kind of get people at this time uh when there's not a new record to push there's not a new song there's not really anything to push you just get to talk to the person and have a lot of fun in doing so and uh Mark and I had kept in contact since the last time we did the interview with the Nothing More Dudes and, uh, you know, just over our mutual love of beer and so forth and just became a, a thing where, you know, we've stayed in contact and kind of built a little bit of a friendship and uh, when it came time to do this, you know, uh, he was all about just drinking some beers and so I thought, uh, what better way to showcase our, our mutual love and admiration of beer and crap beer than to bring in basically stuff that he can only get here in Michigan. So uh, put together a mix and match pack of beer and seemingly everything I got him went over pretty well. I was pleasantly surprised, uh, you know, because with someone with such a refined palate that has literally traveled the world drinking all kinds of beers, it gets really hard to, to know like, okay, this sounds really good. Is it though? Or is this going to be a thing where this person is like, yeah, that just wasn't that good. But uh, as you'll hear, uh, everything I picked uh, went over pretty well. And then uh, the few beers that we did not drink during this uh, ended up uh, being pretty pretty good hits as well. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and pat myself on the back for that. Um, but yeah, I also want to say happy birthday to Dan. Uh, I know I sent him a message uh, stating such. Uh, I know he had to work. And because I said, how much cake have you already eaten? And he was like, I have had none because I am at work. So uh, happy birthday to Dan. He'll be back when we uh, when I get back into town and, and hopefully we have a little bit better of a time trying to uh, get together and do these. It's uh, it's always kind of awkward on my end and just doing this by myself. Um because, you know, I think, you know, I, I enjoy getting to talk to Dan at least once a week and kind of catching up with him and shooting the shit. And I think that's kind of what makes the intros and outros a little bit more fun is the fact that, you know, I get to, to bounce things off of him and, and kind of get his uh, different take on things. So uh, it's a little bit awkward doing some of these, these you know, when he can't do them. But, uh, you know, I just knew that I have a long, long day and a long week uh, this upcoming week of... Uh, you know, doing family stuff and, you know, we just weren't going to be able to get out of podcast and I have the ability to at least do this so we can get something out on time. A lot of reflection these last couple of days of just, you know, the importance of family, the importance of, of taking time to go do things that matter most. Um, I think that's something that as I get older, I definitely realize is uh, a lot more integral of a thing to, uh, to keep in mind. Um, you know, passing of my dog having to put her down you know i've had her for 12 and a half years and, and i definitely know it's it's you know 
something that a lot of people have probably gone through, but unfortunately, until you go through it yourself, it is uh, something that you can tell yourself that you're prepared for, tell yourself that, you know, when these things happen, this is how I'm going to handle the situation, but the reality is, until you're in that moment, you, you have no idea how you would even react. Um, so, it's just been one of those things where, you know, when my wife was like, hey, uh, got to go to Arizona for this funeral, or are you able to go? And it's like, yeah, I, I can, you know, I'll figure it out. We'll get it done. And thankfully, I, you know, work was pretty cool and accommodating my my time off request, basically. And on top of that, it was one of those things where uh, I, I feel <laughs> I feel kind of bad because uh, as soon as I get back, I, I basically my wife and I go to New Orleans for about a week. So um, wasn't planning on going to Arizona. I'm hoping to kind of make the best of the situation and, and and get out to somewhere new where I've never been and. You know, maybe the time away, maybe the getting away out of state uh, will kind of help get us out of the funk that we've been in basically since putting down uh, our dog, uh, you know, two weeks ago or so. But all that aside, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation with Mark. I think I've said it before that, you know, initially my whole thing was like, I never want any repeat guests. I always want to be moving forward. I don't want to have, you know, conversations with someone I already had because I just felt like that was like, oh, I couldn't get anyone else. So... This is why I have this person on again. And I've actually learned the opposite of that is I feel like you actually learn more about the person and there becomes this sense of familiarity that you're just not used to. Um, you know, we've had Phil from All That Remains on a couple of times. We've had uh, Porter from Atreyu on a couple of times. We've had Maddie Mullins on a couple of times. And I'm starting to realize like there just becomes this sense of continuation in the, the interview or in the chat. And especially if you kind of keep in touch and, you know, and the person didn't, <laughs> didn't mind talking to you in the first place. But uh, it's one of those Marcus quickly become one of those people that uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy just bullshitting with uh, almost on a daily basis through, you know, Instagram DMs and so forth. But uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'm going to stop bullshitting. Get right to it. This is my chat with Mark Volalunga of Nothing More, and I will talk to you when we're done. So the, the thing for me, actually, about drinking some of these beers and, you know, like, we're we're fortunate that New Holland is now here in Grand Rapids and is, like, five minutes from my house. So every month, I think it's every month, they put out a different Dragon's Milk now. So, like, they've had a Bananas Foster. They've had a Mint Chocolate Chip, which was oh, fucking delicious. Oh, yes. Um, they had a White Dragon's Milk, which is a trip, because when you, if you're familiar with Dragon's Milk and then you get a white version of it, you're like, that's not. That's the White Stout, right? Sort of, but it, it sits more, it looks more kind of like in the IPA family. Okay. It's kind of, it's like a light caramely brown. Just as far as the aesthetic goes? Yeah, and then the flavor though is, is heavy like the stout, but it's not. So it's it's very interesting. It, it's not Yeah. what I am, would imagine, when, when if you were to tell me like, there's a white version of this, I'd be like, what is it? <laughs> How is there a white yeah, version the, of a, this of a, is of a so stout? Dark, Especially like a bourbon yeah. barrel stout. Right. So yeah. that's that's where and this is something and we're gonna kinda get into this. This is something that you know, you have done a lot of traveling over your time of being in this band and, and nothing more. And something that it always intrigues me, like when 
they started doing the whole Beer City USA competition online. Hmm. Grand Rapids won, like, I think the first three or four years oh, out of everything. Gosh, so, I like, we it. were in competition with Portland, Seattle, like, some of the bigger hitters in, yeah, in the beer, yeah. beer making industry. Now, in my time of traveling with my wife, I have kind of come to find, you know, we went to Portland, we went to Seattle, we, you know, did these things. I will say, I think Seattle has a better craft cocktail scene than a beer scene. And for me, I also think that. Something I noticed was out there, and almost in all my travels, it's more of we made a port. Or, I'm sorry, not a port. <laughs> we made a porter. We made a stout. We made a IPA. And it's like, but there's nothing special about it. Right. And I feel like I feel like Michigan as a whole, we go to the nth degree where it's like, no, no, no. We're, we're putting crazy-ass flavors in there. We're doing, and we do it with our booze, too, now. Like, there's a local distillery. They dry hop finish a gin, and it is amazing. Um, you know, they put Michigan cherries in, in booze to make a cherry whiskey that has just a, a very cherry pronounced flavor right off the front profile. And it's just one of those things to me where I feel like I feel like a lot of people say they have good beer in their area, and it's not true, honestly. And I know you've spent some time here in Grand Rapids, and, you, and you've gone to Founders, and you've probably gone around, and, and yeah, I see you're on Untapped all the time. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things that this is kind of the fun time to do a chat with somebody because you don't have a record to promote. You can't really talk. I, I mean, I'm going to ask you a question just because it correlates to this evening. Um but it's like you have nothing to do, so we get to do the fun thing of just bullshitting. At this yes. Point. So uh, after this, you know, two and a half, three minutes of uh, talking about beer, uh, my guest is Mark Volalunga, as oh, I remembered from last there time. There you go, yeah. Uh, it's a fun name to pronounce, and uh, you're back. Uh, and you were bummed. The whole reason this is happening is because you were kind of bummed we didn't get to keep talking about Founders on your day off from the day before last time. That's true, yeah. It was, I mean, it was brutally speaking, and it was like, oh, brutally. Oh, it smelled like beer. And then we started talking, and we got a little bit into beer, and I, I thought the whole thing was going to be about beer. So, yes, of course, I am very excited now. Beer is definitely something I'm enthused and excited about. And, geez, if you think I'm excited about it, my older brother is just a nutcase. <laughs> Literally because he owns our family walnut orchard oh. north of uh, San Francisco, and he is... He's got a lot of time on his hands to, uh, he's making mead right now. Um, he wants to make beer, but from what I hear, it's like the whole hop thing is, it's a little political, um, as far as where they come from and all of that, and so he's, he's in the mead game right now, but nonetheless, you should follow him on Untapped. It's Ralex, R Alex, basically. Um, and that's Reddit. That's how you use Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right, and, but, but he, he started doing that, like, I mean, literally 20 years ago when he was in college and just that whole uh, Ralex thing. But, like, he's, I mean, he's got, like, 6,000 check-ins. Oh, wow. And maybe almost 5,000 of them are unique. And everything he posts is super unique. So it's just, regardless of being my brother, it's just interesting. And it's just like, where did you get this? Who are you trading with? How... <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> okay, so some brother. Something that I've done, uh, talking to, and you may be familiar with this person, you may not, uh, Amigo the Double? No, I, I don't. Uh, via Untapped? No, he is a musician. Oh, uh, okay. Right now, he just finished the uh, Dropkick uh, Heatbreed tour. Um, and is doing a solo run right now. But basically, he, uh, 
Danny is his real name, and he went to school for culinary arts and, and went and then started making beer and so forth and then became kind of this, like, folk indie kind of musician uh, who sort of mixes, like, his love of, like, heavy metal and dark imagery and so forth. Um, but, you know, we ended up doing a chat, and once I realized I was like, oh, you're into beer and you're into, like, culinary, it's like, okay, like, let's talk about that and the correlation <laughs> of your music industry stuff, like, you know, finding yourself and, you know, making songs and being able to pull from a hybrid of different ideas uh, from your influences and so forth. And it kind of made me, thinking about doing this with you, I was kind of going to do the same thing. So right out the gate, you are one of those people that are very much like me, where it's like, I will drink just about anything, and I may not like it, but I can go, I see what they're going for, uh, I'm not big, like I told you, I'm not big on Gozes, but maybe I just haven't found the one for me, but that Cucumber Lime one that you were talking about sounded so good, and I almost picked Dude. up a Cucumber Himalayan Salt or something one, yeah. and I was like, alright, but I think in tonight and watching your set again, I think your wide diversity and wide range of beer selections, I think, correlates to you as a musician. Would you agree? That I'm flattered to hear that. <laughs> That's awesome. No, of course, in life, I think I try to just act as a sponge. It's something that I know Johnny and Dan have, we've said for a long time, as far as soaking up the good. Because there's good in all genres of music and all aspects of life. You know, especially growing up in the church, it's like there are great things about Christianity that I'm very thankful for into who I am as a person. And then there, there are other things into like how the world maybe abuses that or they, they get a bad name. And the same applies for every single religion and for every single kind of beer. You know what I mean? It, it's like there, I, I, I get the, I'm not into the West Coast IPA. I'm gonna throw that out there. All that's right. that's a shame. Are but, you more into the New England style? Oh, totally, one hundred percent. And it's like, I don't know if that's just like I just don't like much bitter things. You know, as as far as you saying you aren't really into the goza, right? You know, and maybe it's a salty, citrusy thing that throws you off. But to me, it's it's I don't know. It, it takes away from the flavor. I can appreciate it though, and and I, I will try it. Just like you said, and it's like I, I want to try everything because it's life and it's it's fun, and it's to be experienced. Have you ever come across an example of that? Maybe in where maybe the rest of the guys and nothing more, jamming out an idea, and you're like, ah, this probably needs like a little bit of this kind of vibe to it, and it's not really what I, it's not my wheelhouse. Oh. But like ev- like three quarters of the band are really vibing on something, so like I kind of need to put aside my personal preferences and do what's best for the band and do what's best for everybody else. Is there some? Is there a song maybe even that's actually been recorded that kind of illustrates that point? No, that's that's a great question, and yes, that happens all the time. <laughs> to to where it's like, ah, uh, mm, I don't feel like this is right. Like, I don't like this, but, you know, this is Dan's idea, or this is Ben's idea, and you know what? I'm just going to try, because I believe in us, I believe in me and my capabilities of what we can do, and into knowing that it's like the old way of a part. This this involves every band, and so many bands get caught up in demoitis and and all of that into, no, this doesn't need to change, this is my baby. And it needs to stay the same, just like this, forever. When you realize that part will always be there, there's right. nothing wrong with exploring and trying new things. Because, who knows, 
hey, you're you're a musician. You can be creative. You can figure out something. And guess what? It may be cooler than this old idea. Like way more experimental or interesting or different or, or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's songs like Funny Little Creatures on our last record that it's like, oh gosh. Johnny had this very strange, trancey programming idea that actually isn't even in the song anymore. <laughs> I know. Which but it, it was the catalyst for the idea. It, it was. Right. And... I, it was cool because it was interesting, but it's like, what the hell do we do with this? And then we, we try just, okay, let's learn these strange delay, weird parts and play the same thing as a band or just, I don't know, see what happens. And it wasn't working, but then it's like, we sent it to an outside idea to Clint Lowry, actually from seven dust. And, and he, he sent me back an idea and I was like, there it is. That's it. And that was the catalyst that, that it's like it opened this idea. And at the same time, then it's like from there, we still had the programming idea for the verses and they ended up writing themselves out. And I wrote the verses mainly on the lyric of the, it's funny how, um, cause it was like funny little creatures and trying to tie in the theme of right. it being funny. And I, I'm, I know I'm talking fast and no, sort no. of rambling, but, and into a, a process of a whole song, which even though in four minutes, it's like, man, sometimes songs can take just years and it just, you need that idea for it to make sense and for it to come to fruition for everybody to be happy and believe in it. Finally, you know, be on the same page. Speaking to that, sorry, my wife was texting me. No, dude, that's that's the best reason you can ever have. <laughs> My wife just goes, and I've said this to uh, one of her best friends uh, at a different show. Actually, I think it was Seven Dust. She goes, pretty sure ghosts are trying to get people off with their seats vibrating. For real. Coffin dude. emoji. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. I love it. So, you're here first. Uh, ghost will get your ladies off. So uh, if you're into rock and roll as a man and your ladies like to uh, the deep sounds of vibrations, three guitar players and a bass player and some, some synths and all that will probably do it for you. That's true. I mean, they talk about tickling taints, you know, throughout the <laughs> set, wobbling asses. They're foreign, so they, they definitely are into butthole pleasures. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, you know, kind of actually, you know, speaking to... I mean, Clinton Lowry, I mean, I was going to say right off the gate, like that dude, him and Seven Dust, I think, are the masters of off-time signature things and just abstract ways to approach. Like, if I were to give you, like, a song like Enemy, nice. like, yeah. from, from, the, from the just get of listening to it, you'd probably be like, there's no way that's a single. But it's arguably one of their biggest singles, but it's aggressive, it's off-time, so a lot of people who aren't used to, like, the weird time signatures and the stops and the stop-starts and the push-and-pulls of, of everything that's happening, but it's interesting to see a band like that have the, the success that they do, and I think it was funny, because, like, in watching you tonight, there was some stuff you guys were doing, I was like, I think you're challenging Ghost fans, because Ghost <laughs> is a rather, and it's nothing against them, but, like, Ghost is a rather, you know, for lack of a better term, a, a four-on-the-floor kind of, like, rock band, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's what makes rock music great. Just a simple, great, straight groove, a straight beat that you can follow throughout the whole thing. And I mean, the fact that it takes—I think I counted what, two guitar, two keyboard players, three guitar players, and a bass player, and the drummer. So you got like six, seven people recreating all these sounds from a record to to re yeah. put it out live. But there was something in in what I think you guys are doing, where I think you're challenging fans, potentially that don't know you, to really 
push the boundaries of what they think either heavy music is or lighter music because depending on some of the shows that you're on you might be the lighter band or you might be the heaviest band totally and true. i think that's interesting to me that you you don't fit you're not a perfect right down the middle you're either or for depending on the crowd you're playing with and this is a very interesting show because like i was talking with the waged war guys at uh sonic temple earlier okay, this year yeah. and i was like you know, how does it feel to play, like, you're kicking off the stage at, like, Killswitch is on and Meshuggah's on and, you know, a lot of these bands, and they're not in your wheelhouse necessarily. Like, a lot of those people are older and you're a younger band, but, like, you're probably going to, like, play to these people who are, like, I'm at a festival, fuck it, I'm going to check you out. And they might become fans of you because you offer something that's in between everything that they're into. And I definitely think, like, you're in a unique position because this tour is at a very odd time in the the album cycle like you have nothing to push so honestly you can do whatever you want on this for a set so i feel like based on the set i saw tonight i was like this is a band that's trying to just put it all out there like every broad stroke of what you are as a band you put out tonight to try to get and paint a picture for the fan the ghost fans that are probably the predominant fans at these shows of being like yo this is what we're all about if you dig it cool if not well guess we're not for you and that's okay hmm. that is okay yeah you're right but just like you're saying it's like that's something that I feel that we learned from bands like led zeppelin and like from ink uh, 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 i don't know if i even want to get into that sorry last time you and i talked apparently it uh got you in probably some trouble a little bit sorry about that no no worries no worries at all um, they have plenty of, of yeah, get what's coming to them. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and bands like uh, Incubus, who's like a huge inspiration of ours. That it's like they they can be a rock band, a tech metal band, a funk band, a singer songwriter band, and really, like I was saying before, like be sponges, uh, absorbing the good about all things, and they're on their own musical journey, and that's something that we took in. I know. It was funny when our interview came out, and uh, the headline of it, I was yeah. like, "Dude, I love my Kinziger," <laughs> and it's like it sounds like I'm bashing Incubus, and obviously you you click on the link and you read into it more. It's the full quote, which is not what the headline is, which kind of right. sucks, but regardless, right. that, that's okay. It, it's no worries because I have nothing to hide. And I'm sure they've heard it before. And, and it may or may not be true. I don't know Dirk. I don't know the guys at all. So I don't I don't really know what happened. And, and I don't know Ben Kinney either. And he's an amazing musician. Um, but my point being to... It being sponges about things. And just being open to all good things in music. And then and, and putting your own spin on it. And creating your own mixture to to put out into the world that if regardless of who we play in front of, in front of ghost fans in front of you know uh hardcore kill switch fans metal fans thrash fans um and, and then bands like you know if we play in front of blue october you know uh or like re- really poppy stuff it's like i feel like we can cater our set yeah to kind of more meld or be able to appeal to certain fans but at the end of the day, the most important thing is good is good. A good song is a good damn song. And it doesn't matter what genre it is. 
it's just good it just feels good the whole ride of it from the start to the finish the lyrics the sounds the tones the journey and the, and that's really important and that's what we stand by whenever we write any song any and everyone speaking of the journey your journey today from tennessee <laughs> had some issues oh, and yeah. uh what was interesting about it to me, and I was actually talking to your TM before you showed up, and I go, I was surprised in light of the issues you had getting here late. For those who don't know, so you guys were in, in Tennessee recording uh, the, the follow-up record at this point, and you ended up having bus problems, and it cost you getting here when you should have been for normal load-in, sound check, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of leaned over to my wife, and I was like, they sound really good considering this is probably a throw-and-go show for them. <laughs> and for those who may not know what a throw-and-go means, it literally means, like, you're throwing your shit on the stage and you're going. Um, and Ryan, your TM, was like, actually, yeah, this is probably one of the better shows we've done the whole tour so far. Uh, and I think that speaks to, A, the professionalism of, of your, your guys. Yeah. The fact that you're able to be in behind the A-ball at this point of getting here late and doing all that kind of stuff. And the fact that you guys aren't able, pro as fuck as well, and just able to set up, run through your set, whatever is good, and just be happy with whatever the results are. Because at the end of the day, it's about the energy and the vibe of what you're putting out. And, I mean, like we keep kind of have having reset. I mean, this is the fun part of a tour cycle. You have nothing, you don't need to push a single, you don't need to push a record. You're just in this fun gray area where it's like, yeah, we're on a great tour, and we just want to have fun. So... Yeah, so we showed up late. Who cares? <laughs> and I definitely felt like there was a little bit of that, like, kind of punk rock attitude going on throughout the whole night. To nice. me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is that aspect in a tour. And I think you'll see that with every band. At, at this, like, uh, three-week point, I think right now we're at maybe four- to five-week point. Uh, going on five, I think, of the tour to where there, yeah, there is a laissez-faire attitude of, like, everybody knows what they're doing they know what their job is we know what the set is like we feel every song going into the next song and there's something to be said about that of the punk rock yeah this is it it's the confidence factor of that you want to see from a band yeah. you know what i mean from from song to song and every transition being solid being whatever it is and to go back to your point about the crew and it's like I, yeah, we're we're stoked about every single guy we have right now, and and we believe in building this family. Granted, you know things happen, and and tours happen, and money happens to where it's like, oh, this guy's got to take that tour, you know, because they pay more money or whatever it is. And we understand that, or this guy's having a baby, and oh, we understand that for sure. No, nobody does more than me, you know. Um, <laughs> And, and they, they got to do what's right for their family. Um, so it's, uh, I, I'm stoked that, and we're, we're super proud of our crew, that we can show up, you know, two hours, uh, less than two hours before we play, you know, unload everything that we need to and get on stage, no sound check, everything's just line check, and it's like, oh, geez, I hope it sounds good. And like Ryan said, it's like it, everything came out, and it was like, you okay. Said you even had time to, your crew had time to eat dinner. Yeah. <laughs> right. Somehow it's like, okay, this is the best show of the tour. How? Okay. I don't know. That's. I talked to our lighting guy Blaine, and he, and he was like, yeah, man. I even had time to like program some new things and like I had fun with some strobes. 
it's like, all right, tight. <laughs> you know, something that's interesting about Ghost to me is it, it, it feels like... Sorry, I'm going to open another beer. Yeah, let's what, do this. What, what, uh, what you, and I know technically I'm over my time limit already. Dude, so. I, I don't want to stop. Okay. Let's, uh, I will need to text my wife because she'll probably be like, are you still going? So, okay. Got um, it. That's what she said. Um, all right. Let's do Nutter Your Business Peanut Butter. You ever butter. had this? No. I'm very Grand excited. Armored. Are you okay. a fan of like peanut butter stouts? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Of this course. Is one of, this, is, this is one of my favorite, although technically we have a PB&J, Jelly, which is an ale. So Ooh, we have two okay. peanut butter guys. Okay. I had one recently, which you may have seen from Untapped, that was uh, the from the brewery, uh, the the their PB and J stout. Yes, um, which was really had the, really good. Th- these, sorry, these guys have a peanut butter and chocolate ripple. Oh God, stout. <laughs> uh, and I almost got that, but I was like, there's too much peanut butter already in my my Dude, selection. You can never have too much peanut butter. I I love peanut butter. Um, so. Since I have to kind of kill a little bit of time while you pour these beers, you know something that's interesting to me, and you know something, I I I just it's funny because I remember I got glimpses of remembering when you guys toured with Wilson, you know my buddies in uh, Wilson, and you guys played the loft, and you guys are still kind of a cheers. Here we go. Uh, let's let's get the first uh, impressions. I've had this beer so many times, and it is still one of my favorite peanut butter beers ever. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Like, the peanut butter flavor is, like, pronounced on the forefront. It's got a really mellow, like, extra peanut buttery, st- like, stout flavor on the end. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's yeah. it's definitely a It a is nice, what it says it is. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, peanut a lot of people are stout. like, oh, peanut butter. That's that's a, a, such a weird flavor. But it's, like, peanut butter, and, th- and what this beer does really well is it has the two characteristics of peanut butter, the peanut butter flavor profile. So like it's it's nice and kind of sweet in the beginning, and then you kind of get more of the nutty flavor as it's going with the stout flavor. Right. And to me, like that's what I really love about that beer is that it, it's it's got two different flavor profiles that you're not used to seeing in a peanut butter beer. Yeah. No, no, I I fully agree. I, w- I was I was thinking it's like it's everything you want to have from like a nut brown ale. Yes. That it's like because it doesn't have any of the peanut butter. No. It's like and yeah they. There, there's so much more flavor and just goodness that happens in the beer. This is really good. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you for doing this. this I've been wanting to do this with a couple of people, like uh, Brock Lindau from 36 Crazy Fist. He has a he has a show from Ala- in Alaska, a radio show, where they drink beers locally and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to do kind of this thing like where I just bring in beers and we, we drink beers and we talk about them for a minute and then we talk about whatever. That's awesome. Um, this is my favorite thing to do at yeah. home. Dude, it's like, it's I've like, been, I like... As I've been seeing you're untapped, I'm like... <laughs> I don't know that the podcast is going to be like revolutionary in the fact of like the information I get out of you, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm going to have a blast. I know you're going to have a blast because it's about yeah. things that we like, and I'll try my best to court like to pander to the Nothing More fans that may listen to this and be like, okay, it's it's Mark from Nothing More, so let's talk about Nothing More stuff. Um, it, but to be reminded, yeah. good is good. Yes. So uh, almost like it, although it, you're reminding me because of the season we're in, reminded of the original. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of the original. Uh, uh, fuck! They just created. They just did a new remake of it. Uh, Stephen King book. Um, oh, it. No, 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 oh, not it. You're oh, right though. You're okay, right okay, with okay, it. But uh, uh, I mean, two of them. Um, and people who are listening to this are like, it's this, and I'm gonna edit it All out, right, so no one will yeah. know. Um, Don't edit it out. Nah. Okay. Um, <laughs> had Edward Furlong in the second one. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Oh, Sometimes right. dead is better. Okay. 
Okay. I'm reminded uh, of that. I did not see that movie, so I you can't. You didn't see the original? Uh, no. It had Herman Munster in it as the next door neighbor. <sighs> it's hard, man. As you get older, it's like I'm. Pretty... What do you mean older? That movie came out in like the early late '80s, early '90s when we were like young bucks. That's what I mean. As you get older, it's like I, <laughs> I like I, I have seen the movie. I okay. know oh, I have. Okay. All right. I, I you're know you I haven't have. seen it. No, no, no. I, but I can't remember it because it's been so long which is terrible and hate me for it or whatever um yeah yeah it's a great song yeah justin and uh oh man ryan and his son fade which is so awesome he played on this on our song fade and fade out and his son's name is fade he did all the strings on it which is so awesome and such a strange Easter egg. I know I'm segueing back into the band or whatever, no, but it's like I love that band. I'm, uh, yeah, all right. I, here's here's a fun question. Yes, I'm gonna ask hit this, me, hit me. and it's and it's only because of the guitar that you just recently got, and it mm. correlates back to the, mm. the the interview we did before. So you finally got an eight string. Oh, <laughs> and uh, you guys are recording a new record. How much has having an eight string really inspired you to just start writing stuff? Because uh, I feel like when you get it, like the floodgates are just going to open with ideas because it's, it's an extra string and it, it will create extra rhythms. It'll create, especially against like a solid bass player like right. you got, that yeah. it's like, oh man, like I can kind of go low end and let you kind of do a tool less thing, like where I'm playing more of the rhythm and letting, you know. Yeah. Because that's what Tool does. Like, that's the thing, like, I realized as I became, and I suck at guitar, but, like, as <laughs> as someone who pays attention to a lot of things, the thing that's interesting about Tool is Tool does the opposite of what a normal rock band does. Your ba- your guitar player is your, your rhythm, and your bass player is your lead player, and he is the one that kind of dictates where the song is going, along with an amazing ca- drummer like Dana Carey, and just, ugh. But all that aside... I noticed there's a little bit of that with you guys, like where you guys will trade off who's lead and who's rhythm and who's doing what. So I feel like with you getting an eight string, I'm like, oh my God, this probably opens just tremendous ideas and opportunities for what the band can do at this point now. Now, dude, you're, you're right. I am very excited about it. I haven't had the chance to jam with the rest of the guys, um, just in a jam room format with, with the eight string. I have had the chance to record a couple ideas, and uh, uh, our process has typically been uh, I record something, I, I go ahead and just do a whole song most of the time just because it feels right, and sometimes it's like, okay, that part's awesome, that part's cool, the rest of it sucks, <laughs> or whatever it is. As That's all right. It happens, you know what I mean? And who's to say you get anything right the first time? You know, uh, ben Folds, The Luckiest, one of my favorite songs ever. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I am excited for what it's going to create and going to do. In the same way that it's like, that sounds like more, as far as more strings, it's like uh, we have a couple songs that are just ukulele, which is four strings, you know, right. half strings. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. At a, it's an electric ukulele, actually. Um, so I plugged it into the Axe Effects, and it's like I'm I'm excited about like oh man let yeah let's see what a ukulele can do with effects and see what happens you know and there there's some cool stuff that's going on very Dead Letter Circus Cir- uh, Circus Five Mars Volta kind of like um, which is yeah yeah different for us I think those are pushing boundaries of melody extremities and everything and anything in between. 
uh, with those three bands that you mentioned. Yeah, honestly, and that's that's the goal right there. It's like let's do things we haven't done before, but bring everything we are into it. You know, you're at an interesting point, I think. I don't think this is a, a make-or-break record for you guys. I think you're beyond that at this point. But I do think, in light of the bar being raised every time, I think you're at an interesting point. And sorry to bring up the, the Incubus no, reference again. Okay, but dude, I love Incubus. I, I think, it, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head last time, but I think it's more apropos for right now. You're at that point now where your fans expect a certain thing, and you can either continue to do that thing that appeases fans, which is interesting because fans either love you for the the risks you take, but then will hate you for the risks you take because it's Uh. not the risk that they expected you to take. So you're in this really interesting bubble to me where I feel like you're either going to go just so far of left field of where people think you're going to go, and that has me excited to where you're going to go into, and this may not be a reference that your fans may understand, but actually I'll make it a, a reference that your fans will understand, potentially. Um, so it might be Deftone self-titled. You're following up White Pony with self-titled, and I love self-titled. I think it it took what White Pony did as far as the extremities of aggressiveness mixed with the ambience of electronics and, and a lot of the things that you know and Frank and everybody were kind of incorporating and jamming in a, in a space together. And I think it pushed it to its limits at that point, especially with the producer. And I think you, you have a great full-on record of, of all of those things that the band had to offer at that time. Now, a lot of fans were like, this record sucks, Saturday Night Wrist sucks, by the time you get to Diamond Eyes, everyone's like, there it is. There, we're back again. And to me, I feel like you're at that crux right now where I feel like you you could put out a self-titled Deftones kind of style record where I like I would be super stoked because I'm like, oh, man, this is like everything I've loved that you've done before, but to the next level. And maybe it's going to take your fans a couple years to, to kind of to get there and understand. So how hard is it to, to be writing something and, and be stoked on something and know that potentially you're a little bit ahead of your fans at this point? I mean, that's a great question, and it's something as an artist you always think about, you know, and it's like I can think about bands like Thrice, and I've been, you know, they're probably my favorite band, and I've been let down by some records, um, just being honest, and same with Incubus too, one of my favorite bands, I've been let down by some records, that do- that doesn't mean I hate every single song, and only like two songs or something, it, it was... It, it it's confusing because it, it's like you know it's seeing a movie and it's like well I was expected to you know have it be a follow up to this and and be everything I wanted that was so good from the Dark Knight you know the Dark Knight Rises and it was like everybody can probably agree that it's like that was pretty much a flop it was like there were a lot of good things but they just crammed everything into here because they had to for budget for this yeah they had to wrap it up and not that that's the same for a band and no it totally is though because i think the thing that a lot of people don't understand and and i'm talking just from listening to a lot of interviews having friends who tour who have been through this and so on and so forth so forgive the pseudo arrogance of cutting you off but i think the thing is is you're at a point in your career where you're expected to put out product that will sell 
you have label people telling you, and it may not be the people who believed in you and signed you at first, but you might have people coming to you and go, ah, we don't hear the single. We don't hear the song we're going to push to Octane. We don't hear we don't hear the, the festival song that's going to have everyone pumping their fists. We need another Jenny. We need another This Is The Time. And that's kind of the, the thing that is interesting about the, this point of talking to you, and especially where you are in your career, is that I feel like you guys are at a point where you've done so much doing things on your own, but now you, you have expectations put on you at this point. And I, I just always wonder, like, how much of that seeps into the writing process? Yeah. Uh, really, I, I welcome the challenge. Is, and I don't, I don't mean that in an arrogant way that I know that I'm always going to deliver, we're always going to deliver as a band, but more in a sense of, like, I know what we are. We took our risks on our first few records before we even got signed um you know and technically we got signed on like our fifth record and it's we we've been a band for a long ass time yeah we were kids but that's important because every band goes through an experimental phase you if if you can dig up some old stuff it's like what was this band thinking you know we 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 went through the let's play as many notes as we can you know and let's let's be a funk band because it's like Dan joined the band and it was like oh yeah bass groove oh hell yeah and then we went through this phase of like are we a funk band a funk party band because that gets people to come to shows and yep. just be entertaining or are we a heartfelt passionate band you know that that's about the lyrics because we love good songs you know and we we're really at a standstill this is crazy but it was like 2007. We were at a standstill where it was like, is Dan going to be the singer or is Johnny going to be the singer? Because he was drumming. Yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah. Dan was playing bass. And it was like, if we were going to be a party band and more in the vein of Cake, because Cake's awesome, and it's like, oh, man, nobody can ever be sad or bummed when you put on a Cake song. It just feels so good. They're such a great band, and it, it's fun. And it's like that gets people to come to shows. It's party. It's vibe. But at the end of the day, in our hearts, it's like ah. But it's like it's music. It's what moves us. It's it's, it's why we want to do this. It, we wanted to do the passionate, progressive rock thing, you know. And uh, gosh, I go down tangents. I'm sorry. No, that's all. Yeah, yay! I'm glad this is not an interview. I'm bad at interviews because I end up at this point right now and I forget what the question was. Um, So, yeah, the challenge. Uh, Basically, it's like, oh, are you going to deliver? You know, are you going to lose fans? Uh, I would – it's a risk to say that uh, basically, you know, a good song is a good song. Like, regardless, it's like if it – even if it's not something that it's – somebody would expect, they can still – oh, that was still good. And as long as you do that, it doesn't matter. So I feel like we don't rest until we get the chills, until go. the hair stands up on the back of our necks, and it's like, yes, that's it. We got the lyric, we have the riff, we have whatever it is, and we are what we are. Like, you can feel that this is a nothing more tune. Um, and we're not going to release it or be done with it until it's that. All right. So in the, in the spirit of what we're doing right now, which is having beers and having a conversation, 
And we're on your bus. Which, I mean, you hear all the stories of, you know, late nights, jamming, insert whatever here. What is the one song when you're, I'm not going to say drunk, but at good, like, cruising altitude where you've had a couple, you're in that zone of, like, feeling good. What is that song that you, is your go-to song to, like, just really, like, keep the mood going and fire everybody up and be like, all right, here's the fucking party. We're going. What is that song for you? That's good. Uh, in the past, it's always been Toto Africa. Always. Um, uh, now, uh, honestly, we're going through an ear rape phase, which sucks. Um, and it, it is really funny. I don't know if you're familiar with that. but with what? Ear rape. Nope. Okay. So basically, there are a lot of songs on YouTube and whatnot that are, you know, normal songs. Like it's... Uh, it might be Toto Africa. It might be uh, some Limp Biscuit. It might be whatever it is. But basically, it goes about 10 to 20 seconds into the song, and then it just, like, somebody turned it up to 13 or whatever. It's just distorted. Like, it's blowing out your speakers, and it's funny. And it, that's sort of what's happening. So it almost – it's like Sweet Home Alabama, and it's like they, they get to – uh, I don't know, the chorus, like right when Sweet Home Alabama hits, and it's like, <laughs> if you can imagine my sound effects being distorted and just clipping everything, and everybody just laughs, because it's a trick. Yeah. It's a prank, yeah. and it's funny. That's sort of the jam right now. <laughs> so the jam, the jam for you, then, is what again? Ear rape. But, what, but I'm saying, like, what is the song again? Because you said it was... You've mentioned a couple of different songs, but what what is the go-to song right now for all of you guys? Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're all over the place. Uh, uh, I'm going to pull up my phone. It's like, like what I'm excited about right now is really, I mean, the new Tool record's great. Um, Still really have not listened to it. Yeah, and that's okay. Like, I'm just like, 13 years. I got time to... To Dude. steady myself yeah, into yeah. it. You got another you're gonna make me wait 13 years another one. Right. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I, I was not impressed with 10,000 Steps, personally. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you follow Lateralis up with that was kind of a, a little bit of a bummer, in my opinion. It felt like Lateralis B-Sides to me. Damn. I'm just calling I disagree. I, I All right. really loved it. Vicarious is an awesome song. It's, I mean, it's like, dude, I'm, the I'm lyrics like you you songs. read through those lyrics. It's reality TV. It's just like making fun of society, like Maynard I don't, does. I didn't find the anal sex song that is on every. Oh Maynard gosh, record. the anal sex song. Hey, That's he's funny. got one of every every song. Every yeah. every album he does, there's one. That's funny. <laughs> really? It's like uh, okay, Stink Fist. Stink Fist. Uh, uh, I'm gonna uh, call you out. On what, what's next? I think it was. No, that's Perfect Circle. Yep. But, but he oh. said he puts them on every single album he does. Really. That's what he said in an interview right That's around, funny. right before, I think, Lateralis. I think I remember there being something he was like, oh, I put a, I make yeah. one song about anal sex on every I album. mean, he's a comedian, so <laughs> that's what he does. And it, there, there's funny shit that happens, for sure, with, with all bands and little uh, traditions or silly things that uh, tend to stick. Um, you know, I, I've actually watched Rocket Man, and it was... I haven't seen it, but I'm... I've been noticing listening to you because like we had a no cell phones on the production floor thing at my job now and so I I sneak my phone and I put it into a thing and I listen to my podcast and so forth Uh, but a lot of times when my headphones die and I turn on the radio and 
the only station that really comes in is like uh like 80s 90s and today top 40 kind of radio but they have yeah. like the lunch the lunch where it's like 80s and 70s or whatever and they've been playing a lot of elton john but they've been playing a lot of the original version of uh um uh, the song from Marilyn monroe then it became candle in the wind yes so they have the original version of candle in the wind and, you know, some other stuff like Bending the Jets and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, ah, oh, man, this guy's got, like, so many hits that span so many different yeah. genres and yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, like, I have a Freddie Mercury tattoo, and a lot of people – it sucks now that that movie's out. People are like, look, because of the movie. It's right. Like, no, I've had this for, like, Ever. way long – way right. before that. But, okay. Um, but it is a, a stark reminder that, very much like Queen, that Elton John was really good at transcending genres. Like, I mean, everything was based around a guitar or a piano line, basically, but he had songs that, if you were a fan of those, like, if I were to be like, oh, here's a guy who plays piano, and he, he writes pop songs, you'd be like, nah, I'm good. Hmm. But, like, then I play you Benny and the Jets, and you're like, god damn it. And then it's like, alright, ascending, descending, major, minor, all that kind of stuff, and you're like, I mean, all the pop formulas are there. And then how can you not be into, you know, Benny and the Jets and then again going over that simple rhythm yeah. I mean it's just that's what classic rock is it's it's the most simple of rhythms and structures and so forth that just get you to yeah well, and, that, and that's what we've lost I think in our generation now are the rock bands that are willing um, slash have the balls to take risks in a lyrical sense well and and like uh, artistic sense too. That's true. And to like, uh, okay, the arrangement can be off or whatever it is. And it, it just follow the story. Like, say something. Let me believe in the characters that you're talking about. And let me imagine and bring me into your world. Like Rocket Man. Like Benny and the Jets. Like Ben Folds, who's fucking awesome. Rock in the suburbs. Even though that's not his like best song, but no, 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 it's it's totally not whatever, whatever, and ever, amen. I mean, I will say that. Oh yeah, but but it's (laughs) It's like you follow him in the story, and it's like surely it's like I I have kind of been through something similar than that or to that, and it's hold on, you can't you can't say that and and talk about a few different times. Are you talking about brick? Yeah. Okay. Totally. All, right. Yeah. All right. Just want to make sure that we were following along the the breadcrumb trail that you're leaving. Okay. Nice. Continue. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the the melody is great, but it's like the story, and he has these characters, these people, these names that he drops to make you wonder who's Fred Jones. It's like yeah. this guy that's worked at the paper for 25 years. Nobody knows his name. It's it's super sad in a not comedic office space way like Milton. But but it it's like, and he ends up working in the basement. It's just like I'm. All right, that's it. There's my 25 years. You know that one of my favorite lyrics, which is one of Johnny's too. It's like, life's a runaway train. You know, you get off. Um, uh, this is so bad. <laughs> Said it's my favorite lyric, and I can't remember it. Um, it's always reminded me, and I'll give you a little bit of time to think of it. Okay. It's always reminded me of Alexis on Fire's uh, Boil Frogs. Okay. And if you're familiar with that song, Dallas Green, when he did City in Color, did an acoustic version of it. And it's more somber and morose yeah. version of the song. But it's basically about a person 
who just kind of pushes papers and just goes through life like just yeah. doing what's expected of him and like there's a line in it that I always remember where it's like uh, old man sits at his desk one year from retirement he's uh, he's up for review not quite sure what to do yeah. each year the pa- or each passing year the workload grows and then it's like you listen to the lyrics and it's like when you hear the City and Color version of it which is stripped down to an acoustic guitar you're like fuck this is so depressing and this is a lot of people's lives and I think I think that's the interesting thing sometimes about listening to music especially when you've been drinking yeah. sometimes your, your go to party anthems are so depressing and morose and you just don't realize because they're constructed in such great pop ways I mean like forever my right. wife my wife will never listen to, to Rocket Man because of watching, uh, because of watching, uh, what is it? Family Guy? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, watching Nip Tuck. Oh. And in the first season of the show, a, a character passes away and they play Rocket Man where she puts a bag over her head. And I was the asshole at the time because I will think of other counter melodies and stupid lyrics of what okay. I'm watching. I'm like, plastic bag going over my head, killing myself. Yeah. Like, just shit like that. And she's like, I, I will never listen to that song ever again because oh, of that scene. It ruined and, it. Right. No, for sure. But it's, it's partially my fault. But it's like, you listen to Rocket Man and you're like, oh, fuck, this is about isolation and being alone and, like, things that are not happy and all that and you're like but he made it do such a thing yeah. that it's like you can't help but sing along to it and you're like like another great song Faithfully by by uh, um, Journey that is a sad fucking song about being gone from the ones you love by being on the road because you're in a touring band but when it gets to that oh, like you're just like right. takes Happy. me to that place put the fucking lighters out in a bar slam my drinks with somebody right makes you feel good right but it's a morose song yeah, that's the irony of it, for sure. That it's like something so, uh, the lyrics be dark, but the mood be happy, and you accomplish that goal, which is kind of cool sometimes. And I feel like we've done in some cases nowhere near successfully as any of these you're, artists you're, you're that we're those creating. Areas, for sure, I think. But but that's like sometimes you can get that with a major chord progression and it, inserting dark and not necessarily brooding but just like emotional emo lyrics just really uh heart they, they tug on the heartstrings for sure and it's yeah I, you should watch rocket man getting getting back to the point it's it's i think the actors are cool uh i think something most people don't know about that story or didn't know until now i think i watched like a behind the music or something was that uh, like, for his whole career, Elton John had uh, his lyrical partner who wrote all of the lyrics. And that, like, that was his job. And Elton John just wrote the, the music and the melodies. And it's like, that was, that's so important. It's like, uh, Barry, I think, is his name. I feel bad for not being certain about it. Um, but it's crucial because that that's the whole idea of synergy and what what it is to be in a band in general of to have when two or more are gathered pounds uh, dan can lift two three hundred pounds but together we can lift 800 or a thousand pounds it's that special force that happens that it's like together we can create something that's bigger than ourselves and that's what's so special and i, I think 
I feel like, you know, I like Barry and Elton created, which his name's not even Elton. But, yeah, totes. So apparently I, I fucked up and uh, I don't know what happened, but my, my microphone stopped working. So uh, I will just say this. I think this is a good a place to end uh, just in light of this. And this will be for you and I now. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, very much looking forward to the record you have, especially with the H string. I'm very excited to see what you and you and Dan and Johnny and everyone comes up with because I think some interesting polyrhythms are probably going to be in store for us. And I'm interested to see if you create the next uh, good drinking anthem for everybody. Damn. So uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you guys when this new record comes out. We'll have to do another one of these. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Dude, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, these are, this is what I love to do. I mean, when I'm at home, I share beers, good beers, mind you with friends and good conversation happens in vino veritas and thank you very much and uh that's this conversation so that was my conversation with marco lalunga of nothing more that was fun i mean i had some questions written down but you know i just think sometimes you know this show has kind of caught some shit uh for the fact that you know we are a drinking podcast or have drinking in or associated with the podcast in any way shape or form and sometimes, you know, like as you heard me say with Tommy Victor, it's like we are more than that. It is more about being, you know, just open and honest in the conversation you're having with each other and so forth. And I think we do that a lot as well. You know, conversations like this where I just, you know, Mark and I are literally sitting in the back of the bus. We're just having some beers. We're shooting the shit. I did have some questions in mind, but it was kind of more freeform. Like I just kind of, you know, wherever he was kind of his answers were going, I just kind of wanted to keep it going that way because that's the kind of thing that would happen if you were having beers with a friend or just in general is you would have a conversation and you wouldn't be trying to steer it in any one direction. So, uh, you know, is what it is. Um, it did kind of end a little bit abruptly. I was, you know, as you heard in the very beginning, because I'm not really editing this conversation at all. I, I, I pretty much kept it as is because I, I think it adds more to that in the moment kind of feel as opposed to it being edited down to where it feels a little more uh, the life is kind of taken out of it. But uh, as you heard, Mark and I's wives were both texting us because, you know, he had to text her and was like, hey, I'm done with the show and so on and so forth. And my wife was sitting in the arena <laughs> watching Ghost and uh, funny enough, uh, unbeknownst to me, which I'll bring it up now. So I know, you know, we had talked about on an episode previously about how I went to Vegas randomly and surprised my wife. So this interview is actually what spurned all of that is that while I was on the bus talking to Mark, my wife was sitting in, in the arena drinking, watching Ghost, and a friend of ours was going to uh, Las Regis out in Las Vegas. And she was like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to go because, you know, whatever. So she found flights and decided to go last minute. And then, you know, I get a text when I <laughs> when I got done with Mark that was like, so I'm going to Vegas in like two days to go to Los Regis with uh, to go meet up with our friends. And I was like, oh, well, son of a bitch. I guess this is what happens when I'm <laughs> doing a podcast. So uh, I, you know, I kind of had forgotten all about that until uh, I was thinking about this night uh, in retrospect. But, yeah, this was basically the impetus of why my wife and I ended up going out to Las Vegas so randomly, like less than three or four days notice of when we went um all because i was talking to mark and left her alone she said she goes this is what happens when you leave me alone and i've had some drinks i book a flight so um 
All that aside, you know, Mark was super great. Love talking to the dude. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Nothing More, I uh, highly recommend going to see them. They put on a really lo- great, energetic live show. Um, it was interesting to see the, the contrast between Nothing More show, which didn't really rely on a lot of uh, stage things other than their uh, their one, and I forget what it's called, but we talked about it on the last chat with the Nothing More guys. Uh, basically, this this, like... It almost looks like a, a scorpion tail or something like that where their singer Johnny gets in it and, you know, he controls all these sounds and so forth and it goes up and down and moves around. And that's kind of the only thing that they have that is production on the stage. You know, they got lights and they got a backdrop, but it was such it was so interesting to just basically see the contrast between something that was so bare bones and more kind of about being in, engrossed in the music to then seeing this just really elaborate stage show for ghosts um i mean they had you know catwalks going behind the drummers everyone had platforms they were on and so forth everyone was dressed in you know tuxedos and it was more about a visual thing to go along with the show and it just as a whole it was very interesting to see kind of the stark contrast uh between the two bands and, and i think it really kind of worked in in each band's favor because you get a little bit of something more rock and roll and more raw and then you get something more polished and and bigger and you know kind of is the whole point of going to an arena show where you see the headlining band kind of putting the money back into their production uh admittedly not a big ghost fan but i you know the few songs i saw before going off to go talk to mark uh i actually enjoyed how it sounded uh looked really great and uh you know again thanks to uh mark and the nothing more camp for uh, getting my wife and all squared away to go see that and uh yeah so to wrap the, everything up uh nothing more currently writing right now uh per their socials it looks like there's quite a handful of songs they're working on i don't know to what level of completion those songs are at but you know very interested to see how uh how this new record sounds. Uh, Mark, obviously, as we alluded to, you know, got an eight string. Uh, so we'll see if any of the the newer tunings or whatever he's playing around with on that end up making it onto the record. I would assume they would. Um, so very much looking forward to seeing what the next progression for Nothing More is heading into uh, this new album. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Nothing More, though, Facebook at Nothing More, Instagram at Nothing More Music, and Twitter at Nothing More Rock. And if you would like to keep up with Mark and see all the beers that he is drinking and the adventures he is on, uh, you can follow him simply enough at Mark Volalunga on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you don't know how to spell his name, just look at your screen and you'll find it. Uh, it'll also be in the show notes, so there's that as well. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them simply enough at metalnexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at metal.nexus, Twitter at metal underscore nexus, and this is typically where I throw it over to Dan, uh, so I will uh, do my best to tell you where Dan can be found on the internet. Uh, you can find him on Facebook at his name, Daniel Terry. Clever, he knows. He doesn't have an Instagram page, but you can follow him over at the Discography Discussion page. I'm sure they would appreciate the follow over there. Uh, actually, surprisingly, I don't know how the fuck they do it. They seem to get you know a lot of the band's attentions uh, with <laughs> what they post, and uh, a lot a lot of the times when uh, we do that for ours, uh, not not so much. So I don't know what the secret sauce is over there, discography discussion, but they, they've got it apparently. Um, and Twitter, you can find him at Discuss Metal Dan. Um, if you haven't checked out Discography Discussion for whatever reason, uh, I was just on one of their most recent shows, episode 150, covering Every Time I Die. Uh, so go on over there, check it out. I think you'll enjoy what they do. As I have said several times, I use their, uh, their podcast sometimes as my basis for how fans of bands feel when they have to listen to everything and maybe not just the three or four records they may like from a band so uh head over to discography discussion you can email them at dan and joe show at gmail.com um let them know i sent you i i think it's kind of redundant because a lot of people 
come from here over there and over there to here, so whatever. But uh, send Dan some happy birthday stuff. Give Joe shit for saying degent uh, instead of gent. And uh, if you would like to keep up with our podcast, you can find us simply enough at Bruce Speak Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, head over to YouTube. We have videos over there. If it's an easier medium for you to listen to this podcast, uh, just search out Brutally Speaking Podcast. You will find us. There are some videos where we've done them in person. And uh, pins, we still got them. $15 gets them to you anywhere in the U.S. If you are outside of the U.S., let us know. We will figure out something that works to get you these pins. Uh, head on over to On Point Palmade. Uh, and use our code BSP15 to get 15% off your total order. It is the new year. A lot of people are trying new things, new hairstyles, new hair colors. Uh, you got to keep your beard and hair looking good, man. You got to keep it looking on point. Go to onpointpalmade.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, On Point Palmade. And if you would like some delicious coffee, head over to thebeanbastard.com. Get you some delicious coffee. They actually just came out with a new logo mascot thing. The the I think he's called the Little Bean or the Little Bee. I don't remember what it is, but it, it's a very cute little character uh, of the skull that is on all of their products. Uh, and it is, I'm interested to see what, what comes of this because it... Uh, seems like a lot of fun marketing uh, strategies or avenues are are open to them at this point. So head over to the Bean Bastard on Facebook and Instagram. Let them know that we sent you. Buy some of their coffee because it's delicious. I mean, we don't get a cut of it or anything. I just enjoy the product, and you should too. So head on over there and support them. Support all the people that are supporting us. Um, you know, basically that's how these things grow is we all support each other. So thanks to On Point Palme. Thanks to Metal Nexus. Thanks to the Bean Bastard. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and we will talk to you next time.